problematic, cringe, and has terrible writing. The weekend and the guy who made Euphoria made a show that somehow has the internet unified on how much we all hate this thing. The sex scenes are too much. The weekend's acting is too weak. Either they should have just casted someone better or kept his lines to a minimum. Better writers and directors could have taken this premise, this setting, these themes, these ideas, and made something compelling out of them. It's just that these people didn't. I'm Matthew Whitehouse, and you're listening to The Face Podcast. So joining me this week at Spotify HQ is Olive Pemetsi, Face Features Editor, and Shard D'Souza, freelance music culture journalist and Face contributor. And we're here to discuss HBO's latest series, The Idol, billed as the most controversial TV show of the year. That's clearly someone who hasn't watched this morning over the last few <laughs> weeks, I think. Um, firstly, are you okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you? Did you? Uh, episode three was on telly last night. Did you both watch it? I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. I don't want to make it my full time job to like defend the idol, <laughs> but I honestly think the show is nowhere near as bad as it's kind of being billed as. I think it's just kind of your classic average like middle-of-the-road TV show. I'm having fun. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think the more it goes on, the more I'm warming up to it. I think there are elements of it that I find really jarring, um, mainly the sex scenes. I don't want to be like a massive pearl-clutching clutch- prude, um, but I think they are just a little bit... Like, they're just silly to me. Like, it's just silly and it's unnecessary. a ridiculous show, and the sex scenes, I'm like... I mean, even in the third episode where he's like jacking off in Valentino, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is so, I mean, I think it's supposed to be funny, right? Like he's supposed to be kind of weird and gross and, and creepy and, and random. But yeah I, yeah, I don't know. The sex scenes also make me uncomfortable, but, but not in, less in kind of like a, it's from, from the point of view of my own personal prudishness, not because I find it morally objectionable or anything. <laughs> yeah, I just I just feel like you see Lily Rose Depp's boobs way too much in the first five minutes of that episode, and I just, I don't know, <laughs> it's just interesting. I just, I think Sam Levinson in particular, like I think if it was coming from another director, maybe I would have, I wouldn't see it in the same light, but because of what we know about him and Euphoria, then it feels uncomfortable to me. But what what do you mean by that? Expand on that. Well, I think in Euphoria there is like a lot of, gratuitous nudity, particularly with Sydney Sweeney. I don't know, I just don't always think it's necessary and I don't really feel like it helps the plot in a lot of ways and I just don't know why we need to see it all the time or like maybe there's more subtle ways to do it. But then maybe I am just being a prude, so you know. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, I don't like love shows where everyone's naked all the time, but I also am kind of like, it's a dumb, sleazy show, like it's it's like... What do you want? Like, I think people would also be upset if this was a show about kind of like transgressive, sexy pop stars and everyone was kind of like buttoned up all the time and and wearing kind of like, you know, like big robes or something. (laughs) This is realistic. (laughs) I I go back and forth on it because I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, like it's a bit like lechy or something, but I'm kind of like, who cares? Like, isn't that fun? Like, there's not like Mm. nothing else is gross and lechy and weird anymore like you know <laughs> like maybe, maybe that's what we need maybe it's the tonal differences you, you did a nice piece shot before the 
show came out where you talked about some of it feels like satire and kind of quite comedic in places and then it flits between sort of feeling quite dramatic and the, and the sex scenes maybe feel tonally different. I think maybe that's some of the jarring that you're kind of hinting at, right, Olive? Especially in this last episode, there have been some really heavy themes that have come up. Mm. And, you know, I think like before the show comes on, there's like a warning. It's like, oh, you know, it deals with abuse, it deals with sex, it deals with all these things. So these are like quite serious topics Mm. at their core. And then you have these like quite pornographic themes like next to it. And... I don't know, maybe it just doesn't feel like very considered. And I think as well, like you've read all these things around the show. There was that massive Rolling Stones report that came out that talked about all these problems behind the scenes and um, what Sam Levinson and The Weeknd wanted to do with it and like taking out the female perspective. And I think when you have that in the back of your mind already, then you're watching these like scenes and it's hard not to see them in kind of a an objectifying light. Shadi, mm, you covered that a little bit in your piece. Could you just explain that? So the original director left the yeah. show. So Amy Sumitz, who's like a very acclaimed indie filmmaker, was originally the director attached to the project, and she directed, I believe, I believe seven episodes right. um, of the whole show, and then everything was scrapped. And Sam Levinson came on as director, and they added a whole bunch of new cast members, fired a bunch of cast and crew, and then reshot the whole thing all at HBO's expense, and it kind of supposedly descended into chaos. The actors who I interviewed on the show, Divine Joy Randolph, Harry Neff and Jane Addams, uh, all denied that there was chaos on set. Of course, it's the crew's job to make sure it doesn't feel chaotic for actors. So I don't know. I would take that with a grain of salt. But um, yeah, this Rolling Stone report basically alleged that the weekend and Sam Levinson were turning the show into like torture porn and you know blah 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 all this stuff. I'm a bit like, it's not like they kind of stole this show from Amy Simitz. They hired her as the director, mm. them being producers and showrunners. Then they maybe they fired her. Who knows what really happened? A lot of people say she had a kind of scheduling conflict. Other people say she had a creative conflict. I find the discourse around the show and around this aspect of the show particularly frustrating because. I would have far preferred to have seen Amy Siemens's take on The Idol because yeah. I think she clearly is a much more interesting, compelling director than Sam Levinson, as much as I do love Euphoria. I'm also kind of like, it's Sam Levinson and The Weeknd's prerogative to make a show from their perspective and have it be that show, you know, and it's not necessarily their responsibility to put a female perspective in there. You know, it's it's art, like they're allowed to do it however they want. And if that's lechy and gross and stupid and chauvinistic, that's the nature of the art and it should people should be allowed to criticise it. But mm. I wish we had a clearer picture of what was going on there because I also imagine that a lot of crew might feel upset that, you know, their, their friends and their co-workers were fired or that, you know, they worked tirelessly on one project and then had to do it all over again. Like, I just think as... We all know with anything in the creative industries, there's so much ego and there's so much kind of behind the scenes conflict and, and drama that, I don't know, it's it's like this storm of like personal resentment from all sides, from like mm. fans and crew and cast or whatever. Mm. So I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon to me, but I'm like, they're allowed to fire that director. It sucks, but they're allowed to do that. It's not illegal. But you, you think that there would be a different version of this show, right? If she had been allowed to continue working on it, you could see a different take on this story. Well, it exists. I mean, they've shot it. Mm. It's in an HBO mm. vault somewhere. I would love to see 
it. Yeah, so basically crew members in the report alleged that the show was originally kind of like an industry satire about a pop star kind of like finding her power and like contending with all these kind of evil figures in the music industry. And they basically alleged that Sam Levinson rewrote all the scripts and made it just kind of a quote unquote rape fantasy. Obviously, not having seen all the episodes, we don't know what happens in the final version of The Idol. All the cast I spoke to, three women who are on the cast, all said that things change dramatically in the final yes, episodes. Yes. Obviously, we've watched the majority of the show so far. I mean, nothing's really happened so far, which is kind of the funny thing. It's like there's two hours left of the show and we still have no idea kind of what is going on. <laughs> yeah. But there is supposedly a quote unquote more feminist version of the show somewhere in HBO's vault. Whether that's true or not, again, we will never know, probably. Mm. I mean, I, I felt a little bit reticent when I was on the tube over here kind of adding to the discourse around it because it feels like so many people are talking about the show online. I, w I wondered if uh, you've spoken to, to just your friends about the show. Are people that you know watching it or are you just kind of reading about stuff on the internet? Um, literally the only people I've talked to about the show are other people who work in journalism or media or something. <laughs> Anyone else who's outside of the industry has not uttered a single word about it, mm. um, which I think is quite telling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't. So we were trying to. We were talking about the viewing figures before we came on. Right? Was it eight hundred thousand watched it live at the time, and then it's doubled for the Reapers? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very HBO viewing figures, right? Yeah. Where it's it's kind of like ridiculously low compared to like Strictly Come Dancing or something. You know, <laughs> it's like su such a small percentage of the global population is watching this content, and yet. It also feels like the only thing people are talking about on the internet, which I think is kind of the point, right? Uh. Yeah, it's a very online show. Like this, it's all, all over TikTok, it's all over Twitter, it's all over Instagram. It's like what everyone is talking about online, but then you step into the real world and everyone's watching Love Island. Like, yeah, and it's funny, right? Because the show I feel tries to lean heavily into that onlineness. Like, I feel like a lot of TV now is kind of trying to create its own memes. And so, like, in the first episode, there's, like, the, the photo where she's got cum on her face and, like, mm. they're calling her the human cum sock or, like... <laughs> You know, there's all these like great quotables, like industry execs being like, we need to make like giant big titted hits or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so ridiculous. And I think is like speaking directly to those people online who want to take that content and use it in their own content in a mm. weird way. It's almost like it knows it won't be mass market. So it's just trying to be as ridiculous as possible. Mm. And it does work. I mean, I, I see people sharing clips of it. Like, the moment it's Monday, all of my feed is full of clips of the weekend and people talking about how bad he is at acting <laughs> or my TikTok has been full of people doing the dance that Jocelyn does um, to World Class Thinner oh, yeah. um, awesome song yeah no it slaps <laughs> like, that's a good part of it <laughs> um, doesn't also feel like Monday night viewing I have to say it feels like a Friday night show <laughs> yeah I've been watching it really weird times because I don't I don't have whatever like app or whatever it's on I just they just send me screeners at, rec at like really weird times like w yeah Monday morning or something so I'm always watching like in the afternoon while I'm doing other work or like just yeah really it's really. not really afternoon viewing is it no it doesn't really feel like any time viewing I mean <laughs> 3 that's, that's part of the problem <laughs> I, can, I can imagine it would be a really fun two hour movie and you're watching mm. it at like 11pm with a bunch of friends and you're like pretty drunk or something yeah. I mean but that being said I'm always having fun when I'm watching it except maybe when the weekend is like 
get that throat wet for me or whatever. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, although I was talking to a friend about it and she was like, we have to stop pretending that like straight guys don't be saying this during sex. Like, Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say that. Everyone's like, oh, this is such ridiculous dialogue. And it's like, well, all straight men watch porn, so they just replicate what they see in porn. And that is actually happening. Which is actually when I was speaking to Hari Neff about the show, she was basically like, this is a reflection of porn culture. And she she said that Sam Levinson is basically reflecting porn culture back to its audience, which is also what he said at the Khan press conference. I don't know whether you guys watched it, but it was very a very weird, <laughs> weird, weird press conference. But um, This is when he said, we're going to have the biggest hit of the summer, right? When the Rolling Stone piece came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he, yeah, his, his wife was reading him. The, it's a really funny image. His wife was reading him the article and he turned to her supposedly and said, we're about to have the biggest show of the summer. Yeah, he, he's a very weird kind of hermit type guy. I think there's a New York Times interview where he's like, I don't really leave the house much. Which I'm like, yeah, it really yeah, comes I can tell. across in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just talked about the, the the song Olive being all over your TikTok and people doing the dance. What positive stuff have you seen people saying or sharing about this? Because it can't all be bad stuff. Have you seen people sharing things in a positive light? Yeah, so I think people are generally pretty impressed with Lily Rose Depp's performance. Mm. Um, I think she's had like a lot of chance opportunity to show us what she can do emotionally and she has to go through a lot. And the music, everyone's raving about the music. Um well done the weekend, that's the one thing you did. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I think the moments like we've spoken about where, you know, it kind of does satirise the pop industry or you see kind of behind a curtain and you kind of see the pressure and the mechanisms that go on behind these like big pop stars. Like there's a scene in the second episode where Jocelyn, Lily Rose Depp's character, is filming a music video. And to me, that's been my favourite bit of the show so far um, because you see her do take after take and she's getting increasingly worn out and then she like reaches the breaking point and she's like, her shoes are cutting into her feet and they're bleeding and people are pushing her harder and harder. So the plot is that Jocelyn has lost her mum and so when she's filming this video she gets really stressed and she calls out for her mum and she's like crying and I just... Oh, I forgot about that. That's a really good yeah, scene. Yeah, it's such a good scene <laughs> and then at the end she goes home and the weekend comes over and they have sex and I'm like, okay, well <laughs> all of this could work and then I feel like it's 50-50, like half of the show is really good and then I don't know, I don't want to be a weekend hater but he comes in and that kind of taints it and uh, pulls away from uh, the aspect of it which is interesting which is this story of a pop star who is I think she's like working on a third album she's got like this one chance to have this comeback she had a breakdown and she's got all this pressure on a record label and you've got these like people around her who are like on her side and reassuring her but at the same time like you, they're like you have to do this you've spent all this money on this tour like this is your last shot so it's kind of like this push and pull between mm. has she got friends or are they just advising her so that they can not lose hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. um, and I think that was the most interesting those are the most interesting moments for me thinking about these kind of more positive sides to it and the bits that you do like how much do you think the audience's reaction to it has been coloured by that Rolling Stone article or any of some of the pre-coverage of the of the show and how much if if that hadn't been read or that hadn't come out or would people have enjoyed the show more I think people were primed to hate the show Mm. Um, both because of Sam Levinson, because people hate Sam Levinson um, uh, unfairly, I think. I mean, again, like I said before, like he's a creator. He's allowed to do whatever he wants with his show. And I think people really treat him like he is like some weird guy kind of like who's locked all the euphoria teens in, in like a bunker and like is like... <laughs> 
abusing them and like forcing them. I don't think people can really tell the difference between actors and their characters anymore. I think mm. that has really coloured the reception of the idol, the way that mm. people talk about Abel and Lily in the show as mm. opposed to their characters. But yeah, I think without the Rolling Stone piece, maybe people would have been a little more primed to go in with an open mind. Like, I don't think people would have been calling it a masterpiece or anything, but I think people would have been more open to it being... I think people wanted it to be terrible, so it kind of became terrible, right? Like, it's like, yeah, almost like, yeah, don't worry, yeah. darling, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> that movie, pretty bad. Not disgustingly, horribly terrible, but I think people were so ready for it to be a meme because they knew all this stuff about it before it came out that they went to the cinema and were, like, screaming, laughing at how, quote-unquote, yeah. bad it was. And I'm like, actually, that's just an average movie, and there are far worse movies you could see that people say are brilliant or whatever. So I think pre-reception of something can deeply change how people go into it. I think it was always designed to be controversial too. Um, like from the very first trailer, you know, it opened with like from the thick and twisted minds of yeah. Sam Levinson <laughs> and The Weeknd. And it's so dorky. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> yeah, it's really it's so embarrassing. And everyone was like, oh, you know, I will like what's going on with this and you know, obviously with all the sex scenes, it was always going to be controversial. There was always going to be people talking about it, like whether it was going to be people like us criticising it or if it was going to be like, I don't know, really conservative Christian viewers being like, mm. oh my God, we can't be watching this on TV. There was always going to be controversy around the show and that is to some extent then what they wanted. Mm. And like it has worked, like it's the most talked about show on the internet right now. The viewing figures better than Succession. So Well, that's another show that people bang on about and not as many people watch it as you would think, right? Yeah. Well, no. yeah, it's all, all these shows. I mean, Euphoria is a genuine, like, widely watched hit, I think. Yeah, but it's I a generation-defining yeah, show. Yeah, so. I think for the most part, like, a lot of HBO shows are entirely consumed by kind of media people and super online teens and then mm. it just has a, a more outsized impact. I mean, it's like... So many websites after every Idol episode run like five different stories about it. You know, it's it's like there's a whole little cottage industry that I think, yeah, it's 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 very weird. Mm, which they don't do for the Good Doctor, which is watched <laughs> by millions of people. Exactly, yeah, or like Yellowstone or whatever, which oh, I yeah. couldn't tell you what that is even about. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, what about the future of this show? Then do you think it's going to be back for a for a second series? Doubt it. I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I, I just think because it's probably lost. HBO so much money already and HBO's parent company Warner Brothers obviously has been um, can like cancelling completed series before they've even begun in order to save money. I can't really see them spending another $200 million on another season of The Idol. Mm. Especially, uh, apparently this show was a nightmare to schedule and stuff. Like, I mean, it's like everyone in it is famous for other things and and like very in demand I just don't see it working that idea that they're all kind of famous anyway do you think it's affected anyone in the show's future prospect I think Lily Rose Depp comes out of it quite well I see a lot of people oh, yeah. saying how, how great she is but do you think it's damaged anybody in any way I kind of think everyone involved with this show is a winner like it's weird I was wondering whether it would damage anyone's reputation but it seems like it won't except for maybe The weekend, who people already kind of hated and if you already liked him, you're probably still going to like him after this. So it's it's kind of in a weird 
zone. I mean, I think the cast is like the best thing about it. It's like a ridiculous, like amazing cast and like has so many weird cameos and like Elizabeth Berkley from Showgirls is going to be in it. Like it's it's well cast and interestingly cast. I guess as well, like everyone, all the famous kind of stunt casting sort of roles apart from the weekend they're not really in roles where they're doing anything too seedy um so they can kind of detach themselves from that element of it um i do think probably a lot of people who didn't pay too much attention to the weekend before are suddenly like oh mm. bit weird mm. but since they weren't paying that much attention to him before then does it really matter um and it kind of like only elevates his kind of mysterious i don't give a fuck like speedy image (laughs) yeah I feel like I'm excited to see what Jenny does after this um, because I feel like she's been able to like kind of establish herself outside of Blackpink and be a bit raunchier Rachel Fennell as well she's amazing in it she's so funny she's good in it she's really good I mean she always plays the same character but she's just so funny I just yeah she's so good at like that kind of like anxious (laughs) like Gen Z like young person in the industry like freaking out but also like just going along with it and having a good time like she's just really good at getting that balance she's got bottoms this summer as well right yeah with Io at a beer yeah 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 Yeah, that would be really fun yeah something I found really interesting was like I'm I'm a pretty big weekend fan. Like I loved Dawn FM, but when as soon as I put on the first episode, I realized I've like never heard him speak. And I think that's kind of what's weird about the show is that and I think maybe why a lot of people are having this weird kind of confusion of like, is that supposed to be the weekend? Is it supposed to be a character? Is because he as a pop star is not very well defined apart from his being mysterious or whatever to his credit I mean I don't think he's a good actor but I think he's very willing to let other people in the show make fun of him like you know Jocelyn is always laughing at him saying he's being weird like Rachel Sennett says he's like creepy and rapey and everyone always makes fun of his rat tail like (laughs) I really enjoy that aspect of the show last question from me then how much money would you need to be paid to watch an episode of this with your parents um well I actually when I was a teenager I went to the cinema and watched Black Swan with my (laughs) mum so you know I feel like I've already seen the most kind of psychologically like psychosexual traumatising thing you could possibly watch with your parents so Not much. A hundred bucks? I don't know. Olive? I don't know. Like maybe, a, oh, I don't know, because I do kind of need some money. It's a cost of living crisis. Yeah. Um, like maybe 500 pounds. Like if all that would happen with my mum would be like, oh, that's a bit rude. <laughs> my dad would be like, oh, like looking away. But I would just, yeah, we'd all just pretend to like be on our phones or something. That'd be all mm. <laughs> Thank you both. My name is Matthew Whitehouse. You've been listening to The Face podcast recorded at Spotify Studios. Thanks to my guests, Olive and Shard, this week. Next week, we're joined by Davy Reed, who will be recovering from Glastonbury. This has been The Face podcast, produced by Hunter Charlton.